Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar. Rich, here we go. Heading into week eight already. Uh, nearing ten, not necessarily halfway because week 18 uh, throws everything off, but we're we're chugging through. Week eight already. How are we feeling today? Yeah, we're going to, listen, we're about to flip the page on an, uh, on the calendar again. When we do this uh, next week, it'll be November. Yeah, uh, that doesn't so, make yeah. any sense. So we are moving along, uh, definitely, man. And it's uh, the NFL season is is it's so every season. It's like we always say, is a snowflake. Things that are unique, but man, this one is is definitely unique. It is very, very much uh, different than a lot of seasons that have transpired past between offense. You know, just a very average play, a lot of injuries. Someone's got to turn the injury button uh, mode off uh, for sure. But it's yeah, it's been it's been a, a weird seven weeks. Yeah, it, it definitely has been. We've talked about it a bunch. I feel like if you just are an avid like NFL podcast listener, it just feels like every podcast you have in your feed, like the title of is, is anyone good? It just kind of like, it literally feels like that every week. And that's like all anyone is talking about because we just, we don't know. But so the we, two weeks in a row, we've only had one game with two, two teams playing with a winning record. Uh, this week it is, Giant Seahawks, like everyone imagined uh, as we came into the season. Yeah, I mean, of, of course it is. Two of the best teams. We, we have Rams that. 49ers on the on the thing. Nope. Uh, Bucks, Ravens. Nope. Uh, no, not games with uh, two teams. There. And Green Bay, Buffalo, right? Like, you know, all teams you would have thought. But uh, most we, we have someone struggling along the ride there. Yeah, well, at least this week as we get into these games – there are matchups we can still, you know, talk ourselves into about them being interesting, even if it's not technically teams with winning records. Kind of felt like last right. week, uh, th- there weren't a lot of games that we could even talk ourselves into um, with that. But at least there's there's the intriguing matchups this week, which will be good as we uh, as we dive into some of these games. Yeah, no, uh, we don't have a, as large a spreads as we had last week, but we even saw last week like that doesn't matter. I mean these. In the construct of the 2022 NFL season, you see like these seven point spread stuff. Like these teams aren't even just covering like these dogs. Like they're we're out outright winning games. Uh, and we saw it again last week. You know, we had uh, two dogs of seven more points win games again. Like it's where we are. Yeah, if you are you are currently in a survivor pool and uh, still going, good for you. Um, because uh, it's been a bit of a rough one. Um, that's just basically where we are. Uh, so let's, let's dive into some of these games. Let's let's start with. I mean, should we start with the one that only has the two teams with a winning record? Is that I mean, how we're sure. start? <laughs> See, so, Giant Seahawks. They just they keep doing what they're doing. I guess for for a lack of better, just understanding of of what they are like these teams just are what they are at this point and and it's working like we we talk about the giants a whole bunch they're just throwing stuff at the wall and it's sticking and it's working um they're figuring out some of the run game the seahawks right now we're it's they're basically the same thing like they they are legitimately good on offense and that's like one of those things it's it's not in a way where they're figuring out how to you know protect Gino or it's like heavy play action and they're scheming up all of this stuff this is this is Gino Smith dropping back they're running an actual offense he's mm-hmm. finding these guys down the field he's one of the best right now uh 
the players by the EPA per attempt on intermediate and deep passes, both of them. He's pushing the ball down the field, and they are finding uh, the guys open, and they are hitting those plays successfully. This is not some like oh catch and run offense where they're you know protecting the quarterback. Like this is actually like Geno Smith doing a lot of very good things, and I think that's what makes part of this offense like really fun. And obviously, they're not going to have DK Metcalf in this game, which is obviously I think going to be a pretty big thing. But Tyler Lockett has still been great right the both of them have been really good so Lockett has been you know, just as good or maybe a little better by some numbers uh than the Metcalf but I think maybe taking two receivers and turning that into just one might be a little bit of a hindrance for what this offense has been able to do um but I think they've also kind of been creative like Marquise Goodwin is now uh you know catching deep passes for this team it just kind of feels like they can they can plug and play a, a little bit on that side of the ball too yeah, I mean, of all the teams that I think have overachieved to this point, uh, the Seahawks are the one that I b- still believe is the most sustainable because they're doing it in a way that I yeah. believe is is real football. <laughs> right. Uh, and and when you, you look at the, this this particular game itself, I mean, they've been really good against the Blitz so far. Gina's really handled the Blitz well. Uh, it is a bummer they won't have DK because this was a game for a couple weeks I was kind of looking forward to seeing DK because he's been yeah. – since DK has entered the league, he's like been one of the best – players in the nfl against man coverage and like just an absolute course, demon. yeah so i was really looking forward to like this matchup coming up i was like oh man wait till he plays the giants like he's gonna go absolutely bonkers in that game and then that was kind of taken away but i mean you look at all these young seahawks players too like dago was talking about this on the fantasy podcast like they're getting something out of all of these guys like their entire yes. draft class this entire like, class yep like they are getting stuff out of all these guys. I mean, both offensive linemen, uh, the linebacker they took uh, ahead of Kenneth Walker, uh, Bomafe. Uh, Ken- now Kenneth Walker is their future back. I mean, they are getting just production from all of all of these guys, and they're going to have more draft picks. They can because John Schneider's done this before, like where they've gotten a magic ride, right? Like on draft picks, and they can just have a couple years here where they hit on these with all these picks that they accrued from getting Russell Wilson. I mean, this thing could flip in a hurry. But they are the one team I think when you look at like them, the Giants even if you want to include like teams like the bears and Falcons who have played better than we thought uh, the Seahawks though, with the structure of way that with which they play football just feels a lot more sustainable than all these other teams, big picture and gives them a better chance. I think to punch up uh, when these other teams inevitably have to punch up. And we saw like the Falcons have to try to punch up the last couple of weeks against the Bengals and against the bucks. And they couldn't, uh, but the Seahawks are a team. I believe that has that kind of capability. We still need to see it happen for them because they did play the 49ers and were never in that game. Uh, but they are a team that's actually playing modern football uh, compared to some of these other teams. And then, Dripoli, listen, I don't want to take that away from your Giants. <laughs> no, 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 you're right. The the Seahawks are just, it is just a, a well-constructed one team uh, and offense right now, like you said, like two rookie offensive tackles and the Seahawks are fifth in pass block win rate. Like that's just, that hasn't been a thing in Seattle. Like pass block win rate has never been that high. And obviously when you have like a, a Russell Wilson, it's kind of yeah, exacerbated a little bit when yeah. the offensive line isn't good because he's going to try to extend some plays. But the fact that they now have a very in rhythm offense with a good offensive line that can hold up. And that's, that's been a big reason for that. Um, you know, so many of, of Geno Smith's passes just, you know, in rhythm within two and a half seconds of the snap, um, you know, like under three seconds, uh, it's just, everything is happening in rhythm and in structure. And you can just see 
how that offense technically is supposed to be run, right? This is kind of what they thought they were trying to install last year. Um, obviously, there's there's more going on in, in the middle of the field, and they're still hitting. Um, it's actually it's kind of crazy how much is still happening in the middle of the field. Even Geno's like deep passes, there's still like forty five percent of them are happening in between the numbers. They're just running, you know, Tyler Lockett on posts. Um, and like, that's where he wins, obviously. So like, even the D passes aren't happening, like deep outside the numbers as you know, you would think in like a, a Russell Wilson type offense or really any type of deep passing offense. So much of this is still happening in the middle of the field. And that's, that's been a lot of fun too. I just kind of thinking the McVay tree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, the, so we go to the giants and this is just a, a team that's still, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like I, I think I said this, like there's, there's no place where I think I was like more wrong on a unit. And then the giants defense where I just thought the scheme mm-hmm. with that personnel was just not going to work. Um, and, and obviously it has, they're holding up enough in man coverage, right? This is still a defense that hasn't, you know, blown anyone away but they're getting enough pressure they're they're figuring that out when they're blitzing heavily they're one of the best you know third down defenses uh, early downs are still the hit or miss a little bit um but the, all of that stuff is just kind of it's just gelling together in, in a way that has worked enough right so i think that'll be pretty interesting because like you said gino has been one of the best quarterbacks against the blitz and he's a guy that's also like pushing the ball down the field a little bit against the blitz like he has a very high rate of intermediate pass against the blitz they just have all of that like really well constructed and it, there's there's no panic there the offensive line like is, is holding up so uh, i think that'll definitely be interesting to see how that turns out because obviously the the giants are or we're blitzing or, or we're not doing anything uh and those are those are the two options and they uh, choose option one uh, all the time um so <laughs> when when you have a, a player like gino who has been playing really well against the blitz that it's very well designed to handle the extra pass rusher uh i think that is again you know with dk in there again that, that possibly could have just been you know the throwing the bombs against man coverage the entire time, but uh, you still have Lockie. You still have some of those tight ends that they're using a little more. Um, you know, the giants run defense. You can still, you can run on them. And that's where the Kenneth Walker has been. He's been real good. I don't wrote it first and 10. He's, he's been a little boomer bust this year. And I, I, a lot of boomer bust really. Yeah. But like you, you can live that way when the rest of the offense is sustaining, right? Those negative runs, aren't completely derailing the offense to this point. And there's enough explosive runs. It's not like you're taking a couple. It's not like, you know, the, the bad seasons of Saquon Barkley, even when those negative runs like weren't taken off by enough explosive runs. They, they have a lot of explosive runs in this offense. So I, I think just the, the mix and match there. And then the other side of the ball, like the Giants offense is still, they're, they're still doing their thing. Like nothing, nothing has changed, right? It's the same thing we talk about every week. The, the Daniel Jones runs are the best thing about the offense. Obviously, he ran for a hundred yards uh, last week. Um, you know, just they ran a naked boot last week. They're so there's there's so many boots, and like that's kind of what they're doing, right? When they have these dropbacks, they're that they're booting. It's like we have a we have like a, a crosser that you can hit, or option two is run 
right? And like that's basically built into the design of the play. If you don't see anything run, and like that's why they're calling so many boots. Like he has more, almost as many boots this year as he did last year, like for a full season. Um, and, and that's just the part of what they're doing. And teams still aren't completely playing him like he's you know a a Justin Fields or a Lamar Jackson uh so he still has all of this open space when they run those nakeds or or any type of you know bootleg and get him out of the pocket so there's there's not defenders on him so they have all these open space and if he wants to take off and run like that's fine that's really the best option for the offense and that's what they've been doing so far uh and and until anyone like really hampers down and tries to stop those boots and I think like that's kind of what we saw a little bit with like you know, the Rams at some point, like there were teams that were just chasing after the boot because they knew it was coming. So they're like, was always going to be like a guy in Stafford's face at some points last season. Uh, I wonder if defenses are going to start like really getting aggressive on those boots to, to put a guy in, in Jones face to have maybe, maybe a spy do something like that. Uh, and then you're going to have to ask Daniel Jones to start passing a little bit more. Cause you know, one of the things I do every week is look at his EPA per play on, on dropbacks but then take out scrambles and that EPA drops down uh, quite a bit uh, every time you, you take off those scrambles. And when you're just looking at the plays, they ask him to pass because obviously, you know, it's not necessarily his fault with the receiving options they have, but like, that's how the offense has been sustaining. Like those scrambles have, have just been it. Um, So eventually I think defenses have to catch on. uh, But if they don't like this is going to be a sustainable way because there's just, and nothing to stop and it's the most efficient part of the offense yeah i mean the giants too i mean you look at the rest of the way out they just they don't really play a lot of teams that you're scared of i mean they have the in-division games where they still you know play the cowboys who they lost to they still play the eagles twice but you know teams like the commanders the texans the lions like they're gonna be able to probably do a lot of the stuff they want to do against those teams you know just the, the biggest thing with daniel jones is just the way he's been a caretaker right like he, he's not turning the ball over he used to be if you breathed on daniel jones the ball the ball is gonna come out uh this is a guy that fumbled in a non-contact uh preseason game you know <laughs> got strip sacked uh, yeah. he's not turning the ball over and Dayball's just put him in situations, like you said, where it's just used his main attributes. I mean, like you said, he's, tw- he's 22nd in the NFL in EPA per drop back on passing plays inside the pocket. No scrambles, right. just passes. Right. And then outside of the pocket, he's seventh removing all. So like there's a big jump. Um, you give him easy throws, take it, take everything out of Daniel Jones's hands. I'm curious now though, because I believe the giants now played themselves out of, having a QB prospect unless they add a guy in like the second round or something, but probably that's, one of these guys. Yeah, so now what do we do moving forward? And Seattle's in the same boat, right? Because now Seattle is Gino who's a veteran and maybe could still be a bridge. And you, you know, but like both of these teams were teams we anticipated were going to be in the QB running next year for, to, to have a high pick. And, and well, where they were, they were setting up dominoes. Well, Seattle still has Denver's pick. That's true. So Ooh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, going to yeah, help yeah. them out. And I think, like, yeah, as for as well as Gino is playing right now, you can still figure out probably a way to get some type of bridge contract in there. That's true. Right? And um, Daniel Jan- Jones probably Jan- has Jones, to have like a, a Jameis Winston like deal, right? He, but he has to ask for more. Right. Yeah. So that's that's a difficult spot that the Giants are going to be in, especially you know, when he, he's, he's fine, right? And that's kind of when you're a, a team and you're – putting money into a big contract for a quarterback who's 
fine, um, that's kind of where you get in yourself into trouble. Uh, and that's, uh, that's probably going to be the most important thing the Giants have to figure out over the next uh, couple of weeks. I'm not, I'm not quite as worried about Seattle. I think you can, you know, figure out uh, what to do with Gino, even if it's, you know, uh, another year or two um, and you kind of recoup some things. You, you still have, sure. um, you still have that Denver high pick. If you really want to get a quarterback, even if he, you know, sits for a little bit under Gino. Um, the only thing is like, it, like Gino should be a starter next year. Like if that, even if it's not Seattle and like they want to move on, like at, Gino has shown enough where he should be starting somewhere next year. Um, and that's like, if he doesn't get the job, that really sucks. Um, but yeah, so let's, uh, let's move on here. There, you, know, you said there's some interesting games that we can kind of talk ourselves into, right? Um, you know, like 49ers Rams, it should be fun. I think I, yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see the, what the Rams do. I kind of wrote about in the worksheet, like this is a big inflection point, I think on their season, like how they come out of the bye, getting Van Jefferson back, how they calibrate some of the things that they've done poorly. I mean, there are some things that I don't think that they can fix though. So I'm curious to see how they try to, to, to mask some of that stuff coming out. But I think this, the Rams are probably one of the more teams I'm more excited to see what they come out and do this week. Yeah, that's absolutely the case, especially I, Kind of, I really want to see how Van Jefferson impacts that passing game because um, I wrote about the Rams a couple of weeks ago and kind of all the things that went wrong. And, and one of the problems with them is it's a whole bunch of little things, right? It's not there's not one big issue. It's just a lot of things kind of compounded on top of each other. And I think if we get to Green Bay, I think that's a similar thing where it's so mm-hmm. many little things that have turned into a big problem. It's not just like one big problem. I think like, if you look at like a Tampa Bay or something, it's like everybody's kind of hurt and things just aren't kind of meshing, but like that that's fixable for like the Rams and the Packers. It's just, there's all of these different things that just turn themselves into one giant problem. Um, And for the Rams, part of it was without that kind of any type of juice, at wide receiver you with you had cooper cup he's great and obviously still doing the the cooper cup thing but uh, there was no one to either the run downfield there was no intermediate passes right um the rams killed with intermediate passes matthew stafford had one of the highest rates of intermediate passes last year they were killing on those digs um and, and everything in that area matthew stafford has the lowest rate of intermediate passes this year only uh 10.2 percent of his passes between 11 and 19 air yards they one don't have anyone to target that area and two defenses are are stopping them from from throwing there um i, I think i talked about this uh, earlier in, in the podcast and i wrote about it but the teams are just like playing cover three and dropping that safety into that intermediate area and like while other teams are seeing all these two high shells to stop going deep teams just don't want the rams to throw in that intermediate area now you're going to be against the 49ers who run a ton of cover three you have a fred warner who's just going to be sitting in the intermediate area like one of the best players you could ask for to be in that area and then you have it was this wheel when they played that we talked about it yeah yeah right it was (laughs) i I mean oh man everything blends together Uh, yeah right these teams have already played probably had this same discussion i apologize for no 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 but that you brought up the same point that, like, but the, yeah you brought up the same point about the 49ers defense just structurally being able to play that way even at even a greater and than the degree it was, of what they've it was, seen yeah kind of the same thing so it was kind of the opposite of what we saw with the 49ers last week where i think the the chiefs 
offense was like the perfect type of offense to take advantage of the structure of San Francisco's defense and just kind of the way they, they use some screens and short passes and kind of use the aggressiveness of the defensive line uh, against them. Like Nick Bosa was just in hell. Like he, he couldn't do anything. They just schemed around like how good he is of a pass rusher. Um, the Rams aren't going to be able to do that. And I think it's, it's the opposite right now. This San Francisco defense is structured in the perfect way to take advantage of what the Rams want to try to do. So what, how Van Jefferson, how healthy is what he adds to this offense? Um, it, it is going to be a, a pretty big test of just kind of how these two teams kind of match and, and going forward, because I think you want to see the, the 49ers bounce back a, a little bit after, you know, talked about them as the, the best defense of the league uh and then they kind of get lit up by the chiefs but again like getting lit up by the chiefs i don't think is necessarily as big of a strike as it would be because like mm-hmm. the chiefs are just gonna uh, light everybody up yeah yeah the 49ers defense is one like i've been like one foot in one foot out on the entire season but like even i was like listen man getting flooded by the chiefs what are you gonna do like yeah is it a thing like i, I i've won like but they, these teams have already played, and we already seen like, and and not and then not just the one game they played on Monday night this year. Like even going back to last year when this Rams offense was was really good, like the, this defense gave the Rams a bunch of trouble last year too. Yeah, uh, they're just like I said, they're structurally built to kind of you know successfully be like, all right, hey, if you want to throw a bunch of short passes to Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby, have at it. Like that's yeah. fine. We're not going to give you anything big downfield and anything in the intermediate area, and that's kind of what happened. We saw earlier in the year. Uh, that first game that they played, I want to say like Stafford had like six completions further than 10 yards downfield, uh, in that entire game. Uh, everything was just underneath to Higby and cup, uh, cups average yard per catch in that game. Like depth of target was like four, four and a half yards downfield. Uh, that was all they could do and they couldn't block at all that game. So yep. we'll see that's, that's the area we're coming out. It's like, I don't know how they fix this offensive line and I don't know how they fix this run game. Because these are things that just I don't know if they can fix. I don't know if they have the personnel to fix it. I don't know what scheme can get them can can fix those two areas. And the other side of the thing about the Rams is their defense has been probably one of the more disappointing units uh, yeah, of the NFL. Absolutely, I mean, they can't rush the passer. Like they have no pass rush at all. They the only pass rush worse than them right now is the Saints. Uh, another disappointing defense. So those are the three areas. Like how do they fix those things? You know, and I don't care. They don't have to run the football well. Like, but. You've got to do it at least a little bit better if you want to run the football. This offense has had this offense is predicated on at least having some tangible running production, uh, and that was the same thing that we're living with the Bucks, right? Like the Bucks can't run the football, and that's like their big thing. Like they, they, they keep trying, right? Like everyone you saw Byron Leftwich in the post game, right? Got asked about his EPA per run on first downs, and like you know looked like someone was speaking in tongue to him, but. Like the Bucks can't run the football. And this is the same thing the Rams have. The, the Rams can't run the football at all. And in this particular matchup, they have not run the football at all. The, these teams have played four times since the start of last year. Rams running backs have 73 carries or 201 yards, no rushing touchdowns. Uh, if you're just going to have a drop back passing game against this 49ers defense, it's going to look a lot like it probably did on Monday night early in the year. Yeah. And, and part of the problem is the, the Rams drop back passing game is, is not as good and again like a lot of that stems from the offensive line where they just they can't do the same types of things that they did last year and that was part of like why they brought in Stafford and with that offensive line it just allowed them to do so many different things than they had been like in in the golf era but with 
with an offensive line that that can't hold up, they have to start you know treating some things differently, and that's just kind of it. It has shifted the entire structure um, of that offense. So, you know, Van Jefferson isn't going to be a uh, you know a, a fix all for the offense, but just having having a little bit more there, I think, is hopefully going to help. Um, and then you look at the San Francisco offense. Uh, I'm excited to to see what a more included Christian McCaffrey looks like. Um, you know, we haven't talked about the, the Christian McCaffrey trade. Like, it's going to be fun. And uh, obviously, like, it's it's a lot to give up for a running back, right? But I think you can make the argument Christian McCaffrey a little more than, like, a running back. Like, I, if it was, like, a, you know, making that trade for, like, a even a Jonathan Taylor, like, I don't think that structurally changes what you're doing on offense. But I think a McCaffrey can, right? Especially when we see what they want to do with him. And, and I, we already saw it when I wrote about the trade, I was like, you know, they're San Francisco is using more empty uh, this year. Uh, they're using it a lot of in 21 personnel with you And I think you not being in this game is going to be uh, kind of big. Um, he's supposed to be back after the bye after I think he fractured a finger um, in last week's game. Uh, but, you know, going in 21 personnel, then you're sticking the other team in base, right? Because they're still using, you know, three linebackers to combat that personnel. And then you just go out and empty and Christian McCaffrey is like one of those slot receivers. Um, and they, uh, San Francisco ran a screen uh, with that uh, against in, um, uh, against the chiefs and, and it worked it went for like 12 yards um where McCaffrey was in the backfield they motioned about and they ended up being an empty and you had uh the Uchek being that lead blocker so I think there's just like so many things I think we're gonna see some split field split backfield looks with with Debo and McCaffrey like in the backfield together like there's no doubt in my mind like we're gonna see that we already saw it with him and Uchek in the backfield together and he was only on the field for 21 snaps but those 21 snaps were actually really good i think i, I shared the irresponsible use of uh <laughs> small sample uh, on off switch but like it was uh 0.26 epa uh per play and like a 54 percent success rate when mccaffrey was on the field against the chiefs I think like it's only going to grow with like how much they're going to use him and the creative ways uh, they're going to use him. And obviously, I think like obviously running back, but I think so much of it is is a receiver and how he's going to be used. Uh, like he had uh, 1.75 uh, yards per route run in Carolina with like the least creative use like you could use Christian McCaffrey. So bringing him into some Shanahan offensive move, like this is an offense that's running wheel routes to Kyle Juszczyk, like <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is, is going to be used creatively in a passing role. And I think it's really going to help. And this passing game has not been bad, like outside of that too. Like, obviously there are some like Jimmy Garoppolo errors that we do see like every week, <laughs> but it's just one of those things where the Shanahan is going to prop that up. And he's still like one of the top quarterbacks in, in EPA per dropback um, this season. And, it, and it's because of that. So it's, you're just adding another element on top. Yeah, Jimmy G looks like he's trying to, to to set the season record for safeties taken in the season. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is going at yeah. I mean, when that when that trade happened, because we we actually talked about McCaffrey potentially getting traded last week when we recorded this, and it was like the the limitations of how many teams could do it. And we talked about you know he was the one guy that did make sense for the Panthers to trade. 
Um, yep. And he got traded that night. And yeah, a lot of people, you know, gave pushback, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm tweeting things from a fantasy angle. And people are like, well, Shanahan's never thrown to his running back. So it's like, well, he's never had Christian McCaffrey. Like, right. we, did the, <laughs> we did the same thing, like when Christian McCaffrey went to the Panthers and people were like, Cam Newton's never thrown to his running back. So it's like, Cam Newton's never played at Christian McCaffrey. Like, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey himself commands different usage. And um, it's interesting because you like Christian McCaffrey. And, like, is he better than, like, actually playing a slot wide receiver? No. But the fact that he does, like, all these different things in, like, one package is what makes him so good, right? Like, Right. And that's the entire Shanahan thing, right? Like, we talked about it with all of their personnel packages. Like, that's what Debo in the backfield does. That's when we talked about the 11 personnel they were using with Juwan Jennings. Like, Mm -hmm. they just can mix and You don't know what they're going to do with the person. The personnel package does not tip off what it's yes. going to be. And McCaffrey is the, the extreme of that. So adding that to a Shanahan offense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what kind of what we're looking for. We saw a little bit of it and he was there for what? 36 hours, like, you know, before that game. And, you know, so they did what they could, but we're going to run out this week. Then they have a buy next week. So maybe we saw it's two weeks before we see like, like this thing fully cooking, but uh, I would expect him to play a lot more than 21 snaps this week. They ran like an awesome play to Jeff Wilson that should have been a touchdown. Like if they run that play to Chris McCaffrey, it's a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Jeff Wilson lost it in the sun or just flat out dropped right. it. But yeah. like, you know, they got Jeff Wilson on a, uh, I think it was a defensive lineman uh, in coverage. And it's like, man, if that was Chris McCaffrey, that's an easy yep. touchdown. Yep. But uh, the one thing to watch too is if they're without Debo too this game, you know, because Debo had that hand. So if they're down use check and they're down Debo, uh, they're going to have to get real creative, and that's you know something we would expect to see some extenuation through Christian McCaffrey if they're going to go that route. Because uh, uh, Shanahan has been at his best in this matchup, like in particularly, like when yeah. these two teams play. I mean, they're seven. He's seven and one with Garoppolo against the Rams. The only loss was the NFC Championship game last year, and you can really find a clean path to where they should have won that game. Right. Uh, you know, if Jaquaski Tart makes that that catch or he goes to that fourth down, they might seal that game, but. If you look at like Garoppolo splits against the Rams, Debo splits against the Rams, Kittle splits against the Rams, these matchups, like it all comes back to like, oh, Shanahan's been been on his his game when these two teams have played. So it's curious to see if those guys will come in healthy and what he can do. But uh, this in particular matchup has not gone well for the Rams uh, with Garoppolo and Shanahan paired together. No, it's – and it's – yeah, it's – then you compound all the things that – the Rams don't have going for them heading into the game. And it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, I'm like, I said, I'm, I'm curious though to see what the Rams do. Cause like this will yeah. be a big litmus test. And if you're the 49ers, like this is a huge game because obviously the NFC West is, is packed right now, but you've already beaten the Seahawks. And if you win this game, you would have beaten the Rams twice and you haven't played the Cardinals yet. Like when th- this game is going to come down to like who this division is going to come down to who beats who right yeah and if the 49ers can go up 3-0 in the division already at this juncture of the season like it's going to give them a big heads up you moving forward yeah and at the same time if you have now given up these picks for McCaffrey you already out the first round pick because of the Trey Lance deal if you mm-hmm. lose this game and now you're <laughs> drop into what three and five um that does not give you uh, – that's not a very good look for the future outlook, right? So you kind of also need to win this game to, to stay in pace and kind of uh, justify the, some of these moves uh, that you've made and given up some of the draft picks because you do view yourself as, as one of these contenders um, if you can 
you know, just kind of hang in there. So this is also an important game for them to kind of jump back into that uh, because they're they're going to need those wins to, to stack up and, and dropping this one uh, would be a, a real tough look for kind of what the, the next offseason is going to look like for San Francisco. So you, like, you kind of have to uh, be winning these games now that they've kind of, you know, thrown all of all of their resources into, you know, making the most out of this season. Uh, all right. Let's, let's move on to the the Sunday night game because this is going to be interesting. The Packers, the Packers are not a fun watch. Like at, at any point, um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers uh, believes that the Packers are a fun watch. Like while he's dropping back, um, so his demeanor on uh, the McAfee show in particular is turned into like because when they win or when they lose, like it's such a different like segment. <laughs> Yeah, it's so. Yeah, Rogers, Rogers calling for for guys who are you know making multiple mistakes a game to to be benched. Um, then went on to say that uh, their their quarterback coach said it was the the highest graded uh, oh, yeah. performance for Rogers. Which you know, okay. So here's the thing: I kind of believe that because it's in a way, it depends on like the context in which you're grading, right? So, but this kind of goes into some of the larger problems for Green Bay, right? So Rodgers got, let me look at this, um, 70.6% of Rodgers' passes came within two and a half seconds of the snap, right? That 82.9% of his passes came within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And this is, I kind of wrote about this in First and Ten, it's sort of entering Ben Roethlisberger territory of... There's no trust in the offensive line. There's no trust in the wide receivers. So I'm not going to hang in the pocket and get hit. That just, that doesn't do anything for me. We're not going to create anything out of structure. So I'm going to take this ball. I'm going to throw it out as quickly as possible. In a way, like Rodgers is doing (laughs) nothing wrong, right? It's going to be well-graded. He's taking the snap. He's getting it out to where it needs to be or where it should go or, you know, something that's correct, right? He's not making wrong reads when they're going out. He's not getting pressured. He only had an 8.8% pressure rate um, last week, but that was, again, it was because you're getting the ball out so quickly, you eliminate the pressure, but you're also getting the ball out so quickly that there's no possible way an offense is going to be sustained in that way. Like you're just not going to gain yards when you're doing that. And that's kind of where the Packers are right now. So Rogers technically not doing anything wrong, but not doing anything that's going to help the passing game, like actually do anything successful and anything that's like going to help them score points. Now you're going to be going against the bills with one of the best four-man pass rushers in the league, um, a secondary that's still holding up despite some of the injuries. Um, might be Roger- getting Tredavious White back. Right, maybe. My, maybe. But so even, <laughs> it, even if not, like this is still a secondary that's been able to hold up. So if Rodgers doesn't trust this offensive line and he's going to compensate by just getting the ball out as quickly as possible, like the, the Bills are not a team you do that for. Um you know, so even if you're eliminating the pass rush and you're not going to be getting pressure because that ball's getting out, like it's just, again, there's no offense that's going to be sustained that way. And that's part of the problem for the Packers, right? So even if Rodgers isn't technically doing anything wrong and you can grade all of those plays positively, and like that's kind of a thing when you look at like some of the PFF grades too, like 
Daniel Jones always had like a real good um, like passing grade when he was throwing like two yards beyond the line of scrimmage. It's like, sure, he didn't do anything wrong, but it's also like not doing anything good either. So like that when you have grades like that, it can kind of go like it can be hit or miss of like what you're actually grading for the process. Uh, And I think that's kind of where Rogers is. But if they have the same game plan, and Rodgers is kind of going into it for himself there. Like, I'm, I'm not getting hit. I don't trust anyone getting the ball out quickly. Uh, it's going to be a disaster against the Bills. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a, we're seeing a little bit of that with the Bucks too, not to the same degree. But, you know, Brady doesn't trust the offensive line. They're running just like 100 wide receiver screens to Chris Godwin. Uh, like, it's, it's very similar things, right? They, they, they can't run the football. Um, yeah, I mean, the Packers, this is just the worst time ever. This is like a worst timing for this matchup, like ever to head into Buffalo, Buffalo off of a bye, like the way that they're playing, uh, they're probably not going to stop them. Cause again, another team that when you look at their personnel, like the Packers defense has been pretty disappointing to this point. Uh, very disappointing. Uh, a a unit, I think we all thought was going to be a lot better. I think a lot of that too, is just like, they're so hell bent on not like coming out of structure, right? Like they have players that they could mix up their scheme a little bit more, but they're, they're not stopping anybody. I mean, you have to, you can't, you can't lose the game uh, to Tyler Heineke. You just can't, but yeah. Uh, then you come into this game when you look at their wide receivers and it doesn't look like Alan Lazard's going to play at, at this point of the week. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is, looks like he's getting shadow realm at this point. Like I assume every subliminal message was about Romeo Dobbs last week. Uh, he dropped the fourth down pass, like kind of didn't get in position to catch one of the deep balls. Uh, and he's a rookie, man, and he's a late round rookie pick. Like, right? Like, yeah, he <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't their top rookie. Yeah, the other guy hasn't played. Christian Watts hasn't played since week five, and like hasn't even gotten on the field before. Then really, as a wide receiver, Randall Cobb's on injured reserve. Sammy Watkins is nicked up already. He just came back, and now he's nicked up, uh, of course. So like, what are we doing? Then they're talking about trading for AJ Green. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Like, like, like that's not the solution uh it is a nightmare man and it, we did finally see at least them kind of calibrate and like finally use aaron jones as a receiver for the first time last week and one of those plays that did swing uh you know the game to at least give them a shot was an out of structure play to aaron jones but man i mean they just have nothing like i said nothing creative it's all quick they don't have any playmakers the offensive line's been banged up the entire year uh it is tough man and, and they're gonna you're gonna go into buffalo and you're probably gonna have to score 30 points right like you just have to and good luck yeah it's just i it's their really, implied team total this week the packers is 18 points yeah that, that never out. seen it that low with aaron Rodgers as starting quarterback i mean it yeah it checks out i, I don't <laughs> i it's it's really hard to see how they turn it on like magically especially in this game right maybe you can think it's going to be a better offense by the end of this season um but if you're looking for the short turnaround for like what they did last week to what it's going to look like this week i can't imagine there's a a way that they're just magically scoring points um and putting together a sustainable offense that is going to hang with the bills of all teams so yeah it's not even like like you got the commanders last week it's not like you're not playing like the colts uh and uh sam ellinger this week like you're playing josh allen and the bills like that's it's a tough look 
No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's keep moving on. We can hit a couple of these uh, other games kind of quickly here because there are some interesting things to talk about. I think after last week, Arizona and Minnesota has gotten a little more interesting. Um, obviously, Arizona got DeAndre Hopkins back, and that kind of transformed the offense a little bit. And in a way where there were – in a way, it's great because there were some adjustments. In a way, it's like, Cliff, what were you doing the first six <laughs> weeks of the season? Where like you still could have been doing this stuff without DeAndre Hopkins. So yeah. it, um, in week seven – they use motion on 62.5% of Kyler Murray's dropbacks, which easily is season high. They had one game in week four where he, it was actually 51.4%. Uh, no other game were they above 35%. It's just kind of one of those things. A lot of that motion was used like for a purpose. I think we saw also DeAndre Hopkins not just lining up on the left side, lining up on the right. I think we, there was one play... Um, <laughs> He lined up wide on the right, had some motion into a tight split on the right, and then ran a corner, and that gave him space to actually like run that. Um, and they did that. So, uh, but Kyler Murray, like anytime they used motion and targeted DeAndre Hopkins, it, it was great. Anytime they used motion, he had negative EPA when not targeting. Um, so they uh, DeAndre Hopkins. So they still need to kind of figure out how that type of motion goes in the overall structure of the offense, but when they were using it to like get advantageous looks for DeAndre Hopkins, it worked out really well. And like, that's a thing like we've been asking for. So, and, and it wasn't just like motion to run motion again, it was motion to for, for a purpose to change some of the defensive looks to get Hopkins uh, in a place where he has some more space down the sideline. So like there were some things on that offense that like looked like it should be able to like, should be some optimism going forward. Um, and you have like, you know, Benjamin who's still, you know, running pretty well. Um, you have the the defense who's still like, doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing, like given the, the personnel there. Um, so I, I don't know if like the Cardinals become a, you know, pseudo good team because there are, there's like two good teams. So we're not going to call them good, but like, can they be in that mix now? Like with some things that they're doing differently and in a way, like they probably should have been doing before, but now that Hawkins is back, they're actually like taking advantage of it. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's going to be a lot of fun to see maybe of, of how that goes forward. Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals, I'm not just going to get there. I'm so down on, on cliff and the, the, the fact that everything that happened, you know, yesterday uh, or last Thursday and the fact that they come out and say like, uh, you know, basically it was like, I didn't know I could move my wide receivers around. Right. Like I didn't know like that would work. Uh, you know, something yeah. we've been screaming for two years and they had Antoine Wesley lining up as the X receiver for, you know, 90% yeah. of the snaps uh, two years ago. Um uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm still wait and see on them. I'm probably more interested in the Vikings because they've overachieved a pretty great deal to this point. And I'm yeah. curious to see what Kevin O'Connell does, you know, coming out of his first buy. I mean, this is another team when you look at them, they're not, they, they aren't throwing intermediate or deep at all. Like, it, at it, all. No, not at all. So, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, Robert Mays uh, it tweeted uh, the leaderboard of uh, like 20 or more uh, air yard targets. And mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson was down all the way at f- just four. 
He's at four percent. Yeah, four percent of his routes. Yeah. This this is yeah. And Justin Jefferson was at only has four targets to twenty or more air yards on field. And he was like, "This is sad." And I was like, "Or you look at it as an elite forty percent target rate of the Vikings throws of twenty or more yards down the field." Because yeah, they're not. No one is. Only Daniel Jones is throwing deep less often than Kirk Cousins. it's I think in four point four percent and four point two percent, which is absolutely insane. Like you wouldn't think. And there's no that. intermediate throws too. Like no intermediate throws. Seventy-seven point six percent of Kirk Cousins' passes right now are ten yards or fewer beyond the line of scrimmage. That is the third highest rate in the league, behind the benched Matt Ryan, who was at seventy-nine point eight, and Matthew Stafford, who we just talked about, at eighty percent. So that's where um, I was going with it. Yeah. Is we seen like Sam Allinger, like because Cousins doesn't run, like he has no mobility. So basically, you're forced to like sustain these eight eight play drives, right? Like eight plus play drives, where you have to to bleed the defense down the field. Like that's not a winning formula to win in the NFL. Like in the current construct of way teams play defense in 2022, they don't want to give up big plays. Like if you don't have a mobile quarterback and they like. We've seen like this type of structure of offense be kind of suffocated, uh, whether it be the Rams, whether it be the Colts with Matt Ryan, whether it be the Bucks are going through right now. Uh, like to to have a stationary quarterback operate in this capacity, like this this is not a sustainable way to live. Uh, and we've seen this kind of like play out this season. So I'm curious to see if they can create some more things down the field, you know, coming out of the bye. Yeah, and it's just kind of it it is it has been very weird to watch. Um, right. It's just, and, and it's not like they're creating explosive plays either. Um, they are 31st in explosive pass mm-hmm. rate. Um, only 10%, only the giants, uh, and the Pittsburgh Steelers have a lower rate of explosive passes, which are just gaining 15 or more yards. So it's not like they're I mean, we have like those those short Justin Jefferson crossers that like when they've worked have been incredible. It's just like that's not what the offense has been, which is it's very strange. Um, and it, again, it is just like this kind of a dink and dunk. We're going to get these like 12 play drives if we're going to have like any type of offense. So it is weird. It's, it's not in a way where like some of these other teams are, are creating all of that space underneath and it's a lot of yards after the catch. It's, it's not even that. So this... The in the entire Vikings offense has just been very, very strange. Uh, the fact that they can't push anything down the field, the, the way that it's not completely opened up underneath in, in the way you would think. Um, yeah, how, how they adjust and what this offense looks like after the bye, I think is going to like, is this going to be a Vikings team that is able to just hang on enough where like it has a winning record and, and can still like win the NFC North or, or is this a team that that's going to fizzle out? I think we'll, we'll get a good glimpse of that, of what the offensive structure looks like coming out of that bye. Yeah. And defensively, this is a team that's overachieved a great deal, like even, even larger probably than they have offensively, uh, you know, especially against opposing quarterbacks. I mean, all their, per- they, well, they're, they're like, I think they're sixth in, in fumble luck rate uh, in terms of recovering team fumbles. Uh, they're getting turnovers, but they're giving, they're giving up a, a ton of yards per completion. Uh, they are allowing a league high 8.4 yards per pass attempt. Uh, and then look at the quarterbacks they faced. Like they haven't faced anybody good at all. So I would be pretty worried that this thing could still kind of come back to earth for the Vikings as good as they've been uh, record-wise and the portfolio they've built up. Because in the NFC, like going out, getting out to five and one in the NFC, 
huge. It's, it's huge, man. Yeah. Massive. Massive. I mean, you look at a team like – because I don't really think the Vikings are that much better than a team like the Raiders, and the Raiders are dead. Right. Like, the Raiders are absolutely dead in the AFC. But, like, if the Raiders are in the NFC, they, they might be – they might have one loss. It's, it's possible. Yeah. So, the Vikings defense is interesting because, like, they're – they're like I think more than any other team right now, like going full into the the Fangio thing with Ed Donatel. So a lot of it is like they are giving up some things, but like they're they're getting the tackles. Like when it happens, they're not really allowing things to completely break through. Um, so I think in a way that might be sustainable for a little bit. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's still you know overachieving at, at a lot of different places. But um, you know that that how that offense. Is, is structured and, and carries them, I think is going to be the most important thing mm-hmm. for uh, what this Vikings team looks like. Um, all right, let's quickly hit one more game because I don't think we can get out of here without discussing the best quarterback in the league, Justin Fields. <laughs> um, man, finally, like, they, they had a designed run game for Justin Fields. It only took a, a year and a half. Um yeah, and and it, and it worked. Um, like the, the way that opened up other things for the offense, and it's like we've talked about the plenty for you know some of these mobile quarterbacks and how that happened. But to have an actual designed run game uh, and have it work, and he was also like making throws on top of that. So I, but again, like now you're gonna be going against. Well, I mean, the New England defense like had been good. They've been creating a pass rush. Um, they've been you know one of the better defenses in the league. Now you're going to go be going against Dallas. Uh, we're going to you know throw some different looks at you. They're going to have a real good front four. Micah Parsons is probably going to be in your face all the time. Do you you can potentially you know use that quarterback run game though to slow the pass rush down. Like that's that's kind of part of the point of of having that. And not only is like Justin Fields your most explosive player, you can now use that as a bit of a change up to you know slow the pass rush down a little bit. That's you can use that kind of in, in a play action set. Um so I, I'm very interested to see if the if this is really like a we talk about like turning points and inflection points, if this is one for the bear season, like are we going to fully embrace what our quarterback is? Is one of probably the most athletic person on the field at any point? Uh, is that going to be just kind of what they fully lean into? And if it is, it, I think it also helps the passing structure too. Justin Fields had one scramble last week so that helps the passing game be more in structure because he doesn't have to look to run on those plays because they're already built into the offense now so i think it just kind of has you know there's levels on on top of that it kind of has a a domino effect that makes everything in that offense better so i'm excited to see um you know probably overly excited to see what they're they're going to be doing going forward uh, because i thought think that potential uh, is always there obviously going against the dallas defense uh, going to be uh, a different bit of a test there though yeah i i kind of like wrote up this game as like a, it's a like exciting there will be a, a lot hopefully it'll be a lot more moments like this moving forward but that this week probably is not a week to lean into it probably this yeah not not gonna be <laughs> you know hope, hoping for the win here probably not going to uh short week going on the road uh against a very aggressive good defense uh in the cowboys because you know we've been talking about the cowboys defense for a couple weeks and uh, you know how someone will probably get like hoodwinked into giving Dan Quinn another head coaching job when he should still be a defensive coordinator. 
we talked about those elements. And, you know, the, the Cowboys got Dak back, and, you know, they meandered their way through kind of the first half of that game, and then they relied on that defense just to keep it close, and then they relied on the Lions to go Lions. Uh, with like every, they felt like the, the Lions had a turnover on like five straight drives in the second half of that game, and they were able to kind of close them out. But, you know, I expected Dak to be kind of rusty coming out, and it's unfortunately they do – they still were like not uh, very aggressive with Dak, and maybe that was just the one game. But, like, they did the same thing at Cooper Rush. Like, they just were kind of very average. They're right at their expectation for pass rate. I was hoping they'd be a little more aggressive with Dak. Hopefully they still are moving forward. Uh, but the Bears, you know, they're another team like Seattle. Like, they're getting a lot out of their young guys, especially defensively. Yeah, it's uh, secondary, man. They're fun pieces. Yeah, uh, the, I love Brisker, well. man. The fact that he's he's coming on. They, and Gordon struggled, but you, you know, you, you take that with our cornerback, like you yep. just throw him on the field. Like we saw this with a cooter, right? Like, you know, some it's sometimes you don't always transition right away, but they've been, they haven't had Jalen Johnson on the field for a, like a significant number of snaps. And, mm-hmm. you know, now that he's back, so the secondary is good. Uh, and they can't stop the run is the thing. And that's probably going to be a game where, uh, well, I guess with Zeke, maybe potentially not playing, you have a chance that where it won't be so run heavy. But, you know, obviously us in the fantasy community are excited to see Tony Pollard finally get another extensive look if that happens. Uh, we'll be extremely thrilled. But, yeah, the Cowboys aren't like an offense, though, that like I feel like are definitely not performing up to where they're capable of. And they're probably not going to completely flood the Bears, right? Like the fact like do you expect the Cowboys at any point to just like go up like 21 nothing like real early? I probably don't. You know, yeah, I probably, probably don't. Probably not. Anything. Yeah, probably not early. But I think they were, I think they were better than they were. They've been given credit for uh, against uh, Detroit. Obviously, you know, having the the low point in total it didn't help. But like, I think like Dak did what he was asked to do quite well, and they were effective. They just like didn't really finish drives um, all that much. But he was still like fifth in EPA per dropback. Uh, among quarterbacks last week. So like they, he was still finding effectiveness. And, and obviously I think, I just kind of think you, you get him uh, back uh, more after that injury. And I think we'll, we'll see a little more. And I think we kind of wondered what they were going to, what that offensive structure was going to look like. It what was it going to go back to, Hey, Dak, you're great. Like do all of these individually great things for us. Or were they going to implement some of the, you know, Cooper rush stuff. That was a lot more play action where they were like scheming up things that helped the quarterback out. I think it was a little bit of both. Um, so um want to see like what that evolution process is going to be uh, for Dallas. Uh, because I think there's, there's still some meat left on the bone where they could have some of that, you know, Cooper rush, offense a little bit and just kind of make things easier uh the ways you move you know cd lamb around and, and all of those uh types of things but um yeah it, it, it i think yeah that, that's going to be a fun yeah, game. yeah that's what i meant still is that looking yeah. at it like looking at them is that like it feels like dallas is still leaving a lot on the table yeah and if they're gonna do that here you allow a team to hang around that like is predicated on running with the quarterback playing slow you know just trying not to make mistakes uh, and you can try to maybe you know hang around because uh, this is a this game is a ten and a half point spread that feels pretty high, uh, you know especially if they like the way like we said that we know the Bears want to play in the end the Cowboys have like a nature too like well they'll play slow too, right like you know they they are twenty fifth in the NFL in plays per game like they'll they'll definitely play slow and if the Bears have some success running the football. Uh, with Justin Fields in particular, and now that they're getting Khalil Herbert, because Khalil Herbert's been their best running back by far this year. The fact that they're getting him on the field more too uh, is a good sign. But if 
Yeah, if the Bears are able to hang around, like this is one where it's like, yeah, that ten and a half man feels pretty pretty lofty. Yeah, it could be, and you know, you uh, you don't spot a a quarterback like Justin Fields ten and a half points. It just doesn't. <laughs> I'm I'm fully in. I I never I never gave up at any point, but like that was it's fun, man. Um, and especially like when he completes passes, they're they're explosive. Like he leads. Obviously, doesn't have the highest completion rate, but when he completes passes, has the highest rate of completions that are going ten or more yards, and that's usually because um, you know those throws are all ten or more yards down the field, right? Um, because like that's exclusively what that Bears passing game is, uh, because they, or he takes they just back. have nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but again, like when you have that the designed quarterback running game you're not asking him to make as many things happen when he drops back. And I just think that just kind of, it all blends together to, to help the offense. So um, whether, you know, if they're able to hang in this game or not, I would like to see that type of philosophy at least carry over. And I, it, obviously it's probably not going to mean a lot for the bears in 2022, but if you look past for like to 2023 and what the next part of like this bears building should look like like i think that should be heavily involved so if they can continue to at least keep the same philosophy going for for the rest of the season i think that's going to be big for like what their future outlook is so yeah that's uh again like uh, we're we're at the point of the season with some of these games where you just kind of have to talk yourself into <laughs> let's look at what the bears offense is going to look like to see what the 2033 outlook is like we're just kind of we're at we're at that point it's that those are the games and and the the little things kind of have to talk yourself into uh as we it's it without like great teams it's just it's where we yeah, are no winning matchups uh, we get another london game as well oh son of a bitch that's right <laughs> yep the, J- well, the jags gotta play in london we gotta give them a home team their home team is coming they're coming back yeah sure uh, <laughs> cool so yeah on, on that note uh we'll we'll end it here we don't need to talk about the London game like no we're not I, talking about it i'm no. just saying make sure you're you're up and early to watch broncos uh, ross is working out on the plane over there or already did uh I, I mean, I, I respect the full lean into the bit. Like they I just... don't think, yeah, yeah, I, I explained it as I think that it's, it's really like Ross is like a real, he's like Michael Scott, right? Like it's real life. Like it's not, even, this is like, it, he's genuine. He's just Michael Scott. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> I hope it works out. Um, all right. Uh... So on that note, uh, we're going to end the show here. Uh, you can find all of our work on chartfootballanalysis.com. Rich has been you know, pumping out worksheets every week. Find uh, rankings more. We got a whole bunch of DFS stuff. Um, whatever you're looking for, uh, you can find on the site. Uh, you can follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.